Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Cloud9 Podcast. I'm here with my, my guest, Clay Bentley, VP of Sales from G2 Crowd. Clay, welcome. Thanks, Amir. Thanks for having me. So G2 Crowd, I've, I've known of G2 Crowd since um, I was first introduced to the SaaS world with NetSuite. Um, 2014, you guys were, was that when you just started or was that's, that second that's year? Right. Yeah, tw- end of 2014 is where, when I came on board, yeah. That, that's when I think software advice and G2 Crowd were still kind of like, which one do I use? Now it's like, I don't even use software advice. No, no offense to them, but I think you guys have stepped sure. up since then. Um, but I think for me, I remember I was selling ERP software to software companies. So I used your resources um, to learn about all these software companies that I just didn't know about. Um, and it was super helpful. And since then, I think you've been there for now three years, right? Um, it, it, I'd love to learn the journey um, from when you guys went to, you know, building this audience to eventually monetizing it um, and providing intent data for people like us. You were there before that happened. What was that like? Uh, intent data has been a product of ours for about a year now. And, and so intent data specifically adds no value if there's no one going to your marketplace um, or whatever that web property is. And so, um, you know, when, when we're looking at kind of the pillars of growth for, for G2 reviews is, is number one. I mean, that's, that's why buyers come here. That's why um, vendors engage with the buyers that are, that are uh, reading about what it's like to actually use the software prior to purchasing it. Um, and so what we really focused on and doubled down on is lowering the barrier to entry for our, for our vendor partners to come on board and, and encourage them to start driving uh, their customers to, to us to, to share their opinion about what it's like to use the, use the software in their stack, um, how it integrates to other solutions they have, uh, feature rating questions. And so we've really kind of doubled down on making a really in-depth narrative around a, a use case of software as opposed to just a single line review or thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, we really want each individual review to be a narrative. And so by doing that, what, what basically transformed from the, my first year to my second year is that uh, two major things really happened. One, uh, we obviously saw a big jump and uptick in SEO, and we started to be part of a lot of conversations and, and organically grow our traffic because you know Google would index us and our SERP rating was high because of the relevance of the search and what people are looking for. Um, and the other thing that happened is it opened up a lot of doors to uh, help us monetize new traffic. And... Um, while maintaining the, the buyer integrity and not giving out any personal information is still you know, at, the, at our forefront of the offering, um, we do uh, want to marry buyers to sellers. And we want to make sure that the buyer has all the information up front to help them make a good decision. By doing that, that obviously you know, creates, creates the traffic. So, um, but from, just from the ground up, I mean, we're, we're still, we're still a, a review-driven uh, marketplace. Well, it's also timing, right? I think when are you connecting those buyers? You're connecting them during the, the review stage, which is usually that consideration stage, right? So I think it's the, it's yeah. the right time as well, and that timing is key yeah, because they're not coming to your site to download eBooks and learn about a topic. They're literally comparing their shortlist of three to four uh, providers and there's just no better time than that moment to, to reach out to them um, when they're in that, that active purchasing, you know, function. Um, so, Absolutely. so one thing that I find interesting is you don't make it easy to leave a review. And I think what that does is it creates very high quality reviews, right? Um, and, and you can't have both, right? So someone like me that loves speed and I want to leave a review real quickly. Like I get, I'm like, oh, I gotta take a screenshot now of the platform, but then this is the flip side where the quality is just high, right? And you guys are keeping away, um, those fake reviews, right? Which just creates noise for buyers. 
Yeah, and it, it went to, we're at 820,000 reviews now, and that we're onboarding around four to 5,000 reviews per week at this rate. Um, and, and obviously with incentive programs uh, and our own organic uh, reviews that we, that we drive through uh, Twitter, through LinkedIn, through uh, Facebook and other ads that we run to generate reviews, you know, a, a fraudulent review or a gamed review or a competitor review um, obviously becomes more likely. And so we, we actually flag and remove around almost, almost 10% of the reviews that get submitted to us. Um, and so we, we're, we're hyper vigilant on making sure that the, the data is authentic and that it adds value to the buyer's uh, research, learn, or, or just hearing from other people like themselves, whether they're in the consideration phase or they're super high top of funnel, but typically most buyers that access our marketplace. Well, are we experienced that, that ourselves, right? There's a company called CloudTask out of South Africa, and they were listed. And they were posting as CloudTask, and we had direct communication, and, and we let you guys know, and you guys got back to us right away and helped. Help. And, and we would have left those reviews if that other CloudTask was five stars, but they weren't. They were three. <laughs> <laughs> and I was picking and choosing. I was like, you can leave that five-star review, but that three, you take away. Um, and then I contacted that company, and I got them to list on G2 Crowd. I'm still waiting for my Amazon card, gift card. Yeah. Um, you guys didn't promise That's that, but <laughs> I was back to my question. How many Amazon gift cards do you give away a month? Because I know that's, um, that's a big, that's a big way that you incentivize people to take the time to leave, you know, honest reviews. A fair amount. Uh, you know, what, what we basically do is so part of a paid relationship with G2 Amir's, as you well know, is that you know, we're, we're going to take off part of that gross cost and give it back to you in, in gift cards to help you generate the reviews. And so um, and we work with a lot of vendors from, you know, uh, Oracle and ADP and IBM and Salesforce and SAP all the way down to five, six person software companies that all want to amplify their customer voice and allow uh, some type of interaction with a buyer within a marketplace so they can have an accurate representation of what it's like to use the product. Um, the raw number on the data, I don't know exactly how many we give out, but um, I can tell you a typical paid subscription with us starts with around $500 in gift cards. So you can go and break them up in any nominal incentive and, and generate reviews that way. Nice. And we're also nice. happy to do it for you as well. So, so software has been your, your bread and butter, but now um, you're expanding into services, right? Companies like mine. Correct. Um, is that is that something that you guys can see would be potentially equal to the software, or something that you know always might be the a lower volume? Um, what, what does that look like on your on your roadmap? It's it's interesting when you, when we kind of look at it, and, and this year has really been a really good pilot year for us. I think we have about uh, 54 uh, professional services companies that are currently paid customers of ours. Um, obviously, software is limited, right? There isn't, uh, you know, the next Slack uh, isn't being started every day. And so we need to expand um, to really provide a better 360-degree view of the full buying process. Um, we're going through it right now. We're buying an HRIS system, and, and the, the installation and, and, the, uh, and the consultation actually costs more than the software itself. So um, we think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think because most services is, is really uh, relationship based and and so which is very different from software but um, you know you are the brand of cloud task right you're traveling all over you're meeting with people if people leave a review they're actually leaving a review a lot of times about their engagement with you so that's you know something that causes some fear within that within that environment um, and also uh, creates a lot of opportunity. Uh, we have three million needing buyers that are coming to our site every single month. The end of this year will be north of eight to nine million. Um, and so when they're coming here and they're evaluating software, we do want to be able to marry them into also a service that can help them install, implement, 
uh, or consult for something they have in their current stack or something that they're considering tearing out. It just, it just gives a better feel as a buyer. And once again, just being buyer first, like what, what other value can we provide a buyer if they're coming here evaluating an NHRS tool? Like, well, they, they need to know feature subsets. They need to understand how they compete with, uh, from a pricing perspective to the top competitors, um, uh, operate, 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 operational strategy, um, you know, everything that comes into buying software. And then you go, great, I'm going to buy it. And I'm excited about it. My team's excited about it. Now, now it's, oh no, now we have to get someone to install it. And we don't have anyone here to do that. What do we do now? And so we want to be that source. We're not there yet. I think we're about six to nine months away from being able to really close the loop and have a full buying loop within our, within our platform. But it, it comes down to vendors like yourself and say, you know, I want my customers to leave reviews. I want buyers to find me. Um, and if someone's looking for a fantastic consulting experience, you know, I, I want them to be able to access CloudTask and understand why we think we're valuable, but more importantly, why our customers find value in our relationships. Yeah, it's a positive feedback loop, right? I mean, a lot of people leaving bad reviews probably didn't implement their software correctly or had a bad experience. Sure. You know, if you don't, if you buy HubSpot and you're not sending out marketing automation emails and you write a review, I didn't get any results. Well, you didn't send any emails, right? So it's, it's sure. happens or all the time. even worse, Marketo, where you have to just build it yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so at least HubSpot is a little bit of out-of-box functionality, but like with Marketo, a lot of times when we read the reviews of Marketo and they have 4,000 or 5,000 on our platform, a lot of the areas for improvement is, is the on-site consultations and implementation. And so we can take that data to the Marketo implementers and consultants and say, this is the number one pain of, your, of the Marketo buyers, your platinum sponsor or platinum partner of Marketo. We can tell you who these companies are that are having struggles. You can literally use us as a lead gen tool and say, this company, uh, XYZ, is struggling with their Marketo implementation. That is what we do. Yeah. Let's get them on the phone and tell them we'll solve their problem. Um, and so there's a lot of ways and, and a lot of different kind of nuances to working a marketplace from the vendor side. We encourage all these vendors to come on and you know understand the experiences of software companies. What you know with the product? What are the, what are the customers saying? Um, how is adoption then? Why is adoption low? Should I should I hire someone externally to coach around adoption? Why is this important? So yeah. providing those resources is critical. You want to know a secret strategy that I use your G2 Crowd for on some of our customer accounts? Please. So we have a lot of um, customers that have software um, bundles that are that are sit on top of an HRIS or or. Uh, ATS platform, right? So when you, f I tell our SDRs, company sales, go find the people leaving positive reviews for Bamboo HR, for, for uh, greenhouse, for things that we integrate with. And those are the people who had a good experience are likely to extend that platform experience, right? So it's a trigger sure. where somebody's, you know, you, you have, you know, to go leave those reviews, you know, you're, you're, I love the software. It makes my job easier. Okay. I saw that you were using Bamboo HR. It, it works great. What about this? Um, what about this onboarding software that, that integrates with it? So actually, there's actually triggers um, even within your site um, not being a paid customer, um, which, absolutely. you know, that's how we became one is, is we were getting free leads, right? And it's, it, when you get free leads, it's hard to say no. Um, it, it's like, okay, cool. What will I get when I pay? Um, and, sure. and, you know, a lot of any, any of our listeners here should know that you know, how we came across G2 Crowd from the paid version was we had an account executive role um, with an organization that I'm not going to name that works with you guys. And, and we were seeing um, really good conversion and traction with those leads. So, you know, we're lucky to be that Trojan horse that sits behind a lot of brands and gets to learn, you know, what's working before we actually uh, dive in. But it was very nice to see that um, you helped us grow uh, with those accounts because, outbound sales is hard right and without those leads you never know you could you could be fired you know i think sometimes sure. it's the difference between 15 appointments and, and seven could be the difference between 
a 10-person SDR team or no SDR team at all, right? Um, and, and now that, I'm like, let's face it, what's really working in the world? Account-based sales, right? Like the spray and pray works well if you have a unique product or it's timing or, you know, a really good um, deal, right? But other than that, everybody is just- It's luck. How many I mean, emails are you getting luck. a day, right? As a VP of sales, you're getting sure. 200. 100. Yeah, yep. I, I 2 x it. I get, I, get a, I get 100 that I delete without reading them. That's you delete all, all my emails. I, put, <laughs> I read I, your I emails. Put, I put you on plenty of <laughs> But um, yeah, I think I, think I, I read, the, I read are, the emails that add value. I just read the emails that add value to my role. And it, it, it's amazing how many emails I get for um, a better way for us to do business development. We have a VP of business development. I'm not, I'm not the decision maker there. Um, I get emails about, uh, you know, we, we have a bunch of engineers uh, that, you know, we're, we're, we just inherited them and I'm a recruiter. I'd love to introduce you to some of these engineers. I don't, I don't know engineering. I don't work on product. Yeah. Um, I can't help. And so there is something to be said around twofold, really account-based marketing, but persona-based selling too. Um, you know, under, understand at the minimum, top, super high top of funnel, who your ICP is and who your buyer is. Um, get smart about that. If you have something like intent data um, that adds value to create some type of predictive scoring model or some sort of indicator or signal, you're going to be better off than your competitor that doesn't. Um, your, your emails are going to be more personalized. Uh, you're going to know when they're in market. Um, if, if they're considering a solution like yours, we're going to tell you about it. Um, and most importantly, you're going to be able to send relevant content uh, with context to the persona that you're trying to attract. Yeah, and I listen, if any ERP company tries to hire me now, I'm not doing it without intent data, right? There are just certain industries and certain personas that like, like we sure. can call sales leaders. Sales leaders still, because sales leaders like hearing people's pitches. They like reading people's emails. Talk to CFOs or COOs. They're not gonna, you know, you need some intent no. data. It's, it's starting to become a requirement for us. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, good. I think that's future for us in our partnership where I, I might just be adding value to when you, that, that, that started getting some ideas where I shouldn't be talking about cloud tasks. I just be, you know, had you guys see Juju crowd? It's, I just give them free information, right? And then and they'll come back to us. Um, but from yeah, a high it's level. It's funny you mentioned ER, it's funny you mentioned ERP, Amir, because right now I know I have a lot of friends that work in ERP. And so the amount of, the amount of RFPs they get um, is, is shocking. By the time a company RFPs, um, you know, there's, they're not in the consideration phase yet. They're super exploratory, right? It's just super high, super high top of funnel. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to shortlist you down after you fill out a 40 page RFP without a conversation that happened. And so, um, even for, even for ERP, if you know that someone's proactively shopping for an ERP tool in advance, you can actually get ahead of the RFP process and potentially earn that business and avoid the RFP completely. Um, which we're seeing with a lot of our customer base right now in, in ERP. That's good. I mean, my, my background was NetSuite, right? And, and, and selling to CFOs yep. was hard, right? It was a, it was a hard, it was a hard task, right? So you, you need that intent data. Who do you see, um, you know, now that sales and marketing are, are coming together, people are resisting it, right? Um, but who are you seeing really come to GG Crowd and, and, and become buyers? Is it, is it marketing leaders? Is it sales leaders? What's that balance? As far as the buyers that are on our marketplace, not yeah, the people, no, the people coming to actually buy your intent data, like like Clay, we're ready oh, to buy sign our up. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I, w I wish sales had a bigger budget. Uh, but they're we are fantastic influencers. We're fantastic coaches. Um, we we border on champion uh, every once in a while, but um, probably ninety five percent of the of the budget that we that we attract for intent data specifically is is at the marketing level. Um, they have big it's, budgets. It's either digital marketing, way. digital man. 
Absolutely. And, you know, like any marketing org, you know, their, their job is to support sales, right? And so what buyer intent does is it actually almost organically creates more alignment between sales and marketing because the biggest pain in both is attribution. Um, it's, a, it's a challenge for companies that we talk to every day that even, even a customer of ours that leverage intent data, they're just, they're really happy that there's an attribution model built into it. And it's yeah. something that we spent a lot of time working on because we knew how important that was. And even when we released the beta, um, you know, the three vendors said like, I think we did really well. I think we got, you know, closed a couple of deals. I think we built a lot of pipeline and we thought, oh God, okay, how are we going to ever sell this if it's, I think, um, we, you know, we need data. And that's why people like inbound leads. You can track that lead. It self-sourced itself in your CRM. You, you have a full attribution. You can, you can track it. And so and back to your original question, the alignment between marketing and sales, which I think is amazing, is anything that creates a better attribution model for marketing is going to be a win. The marketers will be miserable if sales does not take action on those signals. And so uh, from a marketing standpoint, you know, it's, they have tens of thousands of records in their marketing automation tool. How are, who, what's your campaign? What's your cute little campaign that you're going to run those, to those vendors today? Um, with absolutely no predictable model or any indicator, you're going to be start spamming your customer base, your potential customer base, your prospect base, and, and the value of your individual email or, or, or contact in any way, shape, or form, whether it's a phone call, a tweet, a LinkedIn post, uh, is going to be devalued because you're a spam artist, basically. Well, yeah, it's spam, um, spam is a, it's a, it's a line between, you know, someone has intent, it's not spam, right? If someone's like, why is it not spam? It's the context. Yeah. I mean, exactly that's, right. that's what inbound sales is from HubSpot. They use the word inbound, but it's really outbound with value and context, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anytime you can add on a predictive scoring model, um, you know, even if uh, we have basic signals, right. And, and basic uh, operational strategies where we can just simply send you a daily or weekly email of everyone that fits your ICP that has been on our marketplace and perform research and tell you their full buyer journey. Um, that's usually step one with our customer base. A lot of our other customers have matured to have a much more advanced uh, marketing automation kind of predictive scoring model built into marketing automation, layered into different uh, lead scoring mechanisms that they have internally within their stack, um, and really kind of triangulating the account. And that's what I think account-based marketing is evolving into, is that it's, it, it doesn't have to be persona-based targeting anymore. And when you triangulate through marketing, sales, and business development, and you have some sort of context and content to send to them after you hit that signal, it is very likely you're going to, you're going to schedule at minimum a discovery call. Um, and so creating that alignment is, uh, is really key. It's actually one of the few solutions by your intent in general, whether you use tech target or us or any of the other providers um, where we actually are creating more alignment and we're actually, it almost forces business development, sales and marketing to be completely aligned on what their strategy is with these signals, because yeah. you can still screw up intent data. It's very easy. You can still spam people. So we need to make sure what is our message? What is the common thread of this account? Um, and this is where the reviews come in. So, you know, who is someone like this company that uses us and is happy? Let's send them the link to that review and say, you know, here's a, here's an ERP tool, just like you. They've partnered with G2 crowd to accomplish these three things. Would you like to take a meeting with G2? Um, and so that's, that's how we use our own intent data. You got to email that to me, that, that, that line. I'm going to use that as sequences. That the, the quick talk track. So back, you know, I asked, you know, who buys, is it marketing or sales? It's marketing because they have a budget, right? Marketing has a budget. Sales has a budget, but they don't know they do, right? Because they, they're, they'll spend $90,000 a year on an SDR. So sure. a W2 doesn't count as a budget, but to me, that's real money, right? So do you think, I sure. think in the future that they'll start waking up and being like, well, like I got the power to hire three SDRs and spend all this money. They're going to churn. They're going to give me nothing. Can I buy some intent data? 
uh, and that might be a fight for the budget. But it's interesting how like, yeah, marketing has that budget to spend money, and 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 sales has that budget for payroll, right? But yep. it's only for payroll, right? Actually, if, you're not, if you're not hiring anybody, you got no budget anymore. It goes to marketing. Yeah, we've actually had a couple reviews left on our own marketplace about buyer intent of customers of ours that are using it, and two of them that come top of mind were from BDRs who were one of the early adopters of intent data and adding it into their model and their go-to-market strategy and building some type of you know uh, context around what the reach out was for and why and the content they used to, to do the reach out. They both in the review have talked about being promoted before other, uh, any other BDR because of the, the results. They're getting better meetings with higher level contacts that, that equate to a bigger dollar deal. Um, and so it works both ways, right? It's like, yes, sales, we don't, we don't technically have budget. We have headcount budget and trade show budget if we're, if we're just attending or we have customers there. Um, it's some private events and direct mails and all that stuff. But if we just compartmentalize that into what is going to drive the most revenue for my business, which is what we care about as sales leaders, Intent data would be something that I would, I would, you know, rather buy that for forty, fifty, ninety, one hundred fifty thousand dollars than one, two different. Well, you know what's going to happen, right? Like, like four years ago, a sales enablement went to like a sales loft and outreach. They were like, they were basically like, you know, good to haves, right? Now they're must haves, right? And I think, I think intent data is starting at the beginning of a nice to have, right? And I think it's two to three years, it's going to be a must have. Um, that's yeah. kind of what we see, you know, is happening and we're starting to, to put that on our talk track. And, and when we speak about intent data and how our BDRs use intent data, it just makes sense. And people, people want you to make sense, right? They don't want you to be like, I'm going to hit the phones and call and email just like anyone else can do. They want to know that you are in the forefront of sales and anybody who's kind of doesn't have their eye on intent data. Um, is making a mistake. And now there's other companies, you know, I've heard of Bombora and other companies that, that it's like a blurred line of what their intent data is, right? And there's a big difference, I think, with telling, if there's a company like IBM and you see that their IP address, um, it could be an intern that was searching, right? And there's, there's a lot of companies that are selling less sophisticated intent data. Uh, and then you'll call, like, hey, that was never searching any of that stuff and, and uh, this doesn't work, right? So your intent data, I think for minors, things much different because you have users that are logging in, right? They're actually, they're often out filling out forms that they want to talk to somebody. Um, so maybe you can talk about that, how your intent data differs it from some of the other people sure. who might just have, um, I don't know what the word for it is, just less quality. I don't, I don't know. Sure. I mean, it, we, we don't give out any, any personal user information, whether they're registered or not. Um, and, and we, we need to, and that's GDPR, PII, everything else. And, and, you know, we have the ability to do it. Um, you know, we, we could sell the actual individual names and, and job titles and email addresses of these individuals. We don't think that's the right way to go. And it goes back to our persona-based targeting versus account-based marketing strategy. Like I, I don't, I think it's, it's a nice to have, it's not a need to have. And, and quite honestly, like if, if, uh, you know, uh, UPS is on looking for an ERP and, uh, you know, they, they just go to your profile once and read some reviews and leave, I, they're probably not evaluating. It's probably not the decision maker. Now, if they go for, if they come on 10 times a day for the last three weeks and there's multiple locations for multiple offices, um, there's repeat visitors, all the stuff that we can track and, and report back to you they are most likely in that consideration phase and they're most likely considering your software. So she can get them on the phone if you're not already. 
Exactly. And so um, the way that we, the way that we kind of differentiate is pretty basic. I mean, there, there's really two types of intent data. There's implicit data and then there's explicit data. And the implicit data is where someone is when someone does when they go to your website or they read a blog post or they go to the, like your learning hub, whatever it might be. So that's kind of an implicit buying signal. It's a clue that someone is interested, but compared to explicit, it's not very strong. Mm. On G2, what's unique about us is that you can trust that this signal is in fact explicit because G2 is a B2B software and services marketplace. No one comes to our website on the weekend in their downtime to read reviews about ERP software. No one. So that means the buyers are specifically coming here to research products, learn about what the customer experience is of uh, uh, the product or vendor, and then hear what people like them, same company size, uh, same industry, same geo, are, are using the software and what their experience is with the software. And so these buyers are proving their intent to ultimately make a purchase. So that's why we kind of, you know, the term buyer intent data, like if this is, they're saying, hey, I'm interested. Um, you know, they're reading, they're comparing, they're browsing. They're yeah, doing that's what reviews are. It's not, a, it's not an ebook about how to. It's content. Yeah, it's, it's not data. like, it's like, you know what an ERP is. Now let's get granular and see what's different between these ERPs. Yeah, that makes yep. a lot of sense. And the challenge with reviews is the same thing, but, you know, 820,000 reviews, we have to take that data and turn it into information or else no one's going to go read 820,000 reviews and, and, you know, aggregate that and build out graphs and figure out who the leader is. So the same thing that we did with reviews by taking all that data and then transferring it into digestible information to help people make a decision is the same thing we want to do with intent data. Bombora, TechTarget, they can send you hundreds of millions of records in a, in a, in a month, right? It's just like, Oh my, how can I aggregate this and make it simple and digestible? Who are my top five surging accounts and what action do I take? Because the data is only as valuable as, as the reaction that's caused by the action. So we send you the data and this is why playbook and getting it operational and turning that data information is so critical. We can send you all the data in the world. If you don't take action on it, sales, business development, marketing, it's lost all its value. And in fact, your competitor that took action on it within the last 24 hours now is a competitor that managed against you. Um, and so that's a big focus for us this year is, is making sure that everyone that's on our contract with us now, which is about, about 60% of our customers are under contract with, with intent data or some layers of intent data in it. We need to make sure they're using it and using it properly or else, you know, we're, we're, I'm not going to hit revenue goals this year. not going to hit next year. Um, if they're not even using a small sample size of it, there's no way for the member to expand and, uh, and take on more intent data. So really turning that data into information is critical. So Clay, you're, you're building your sales team, right? It's, it's probably growing. I never even asked you this question, but are you doubling your sales team this year? What, what does that look like? We pretty much have. We have about a. It's about a hundred quota carriers right now. So, so I have a lot of. We have a lot of sales leaders listening in on this channel. Like, any advice to them when it comes to um, having a sales team that's doubling in a year? Uh, any lessons learned that you'd want to share with everybody? Probably a lot. It's, it's as uh, it's as it's as ugly as you think it's going to be when you get out of that board meeting and they give you that task. Um, it. I mean, so I'm a I'm a big believer in higher slow fire fast and and when when you have to double i have to be a little bit more lenient on my higher slow um i think that the the most critical thing is that you have to have a really really tight onboarding um it doesn't matter if you double headcount or not if if the first 30 60 90 um fails you're gonna have to you know you'll have 50 percent layoffs and you're gonna have to double it or triple it the next year so um making sure onboarding is really tight uh, I also really am a big fan of the peer mentor process, and we do that here at G2. Um, you, you won't even, you might not even be in the same team as that individual, but they've worked here for a couple of years, and they can help you navigate internally. Um, and I'm, I'm sure if you're anything like us, I think we have 74 different kind of sales 
marketing softwares in our stack that you need to learn if you haven't used them previously. And we keep buying more every day. Um, and so there's a lot that helps. So I think the onboarding. Anybody listening to sell marketing and sales technology, Clay's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> send it to us. Um, so 30, 60, 90s tight. And, uh, and then obviously I think one of the things is just as a leader, we have, I have directors and managers and everyone in place, RBPs. So they take on a lot of the, the, just the, the groundwork on, on getting people here. I still meet with everyone, of course, that interviews, but, um, it's making sure that your senior level management is really tight around their, around their, uh, hiring and interview process. I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed at companies and there's three or four people come in and talk to me and they all ask the same questions. It's almost like they're trying to get me to stumble up and answer it differently than I have previously. It's because they're not communicating. There's no plan in the interview. Uh, you can make interviewing efficient if every person has a role, a plan, a sign language. You can aggregate that together, put out a report card and say, you know, do we move forward or not? So those three things are really critical. And, and honestly, we learned the hard way on some of those in the first, first 30, 60, 90 of, of this fiscal year um, that we had a problem. We need to build this before we actually start doubling down. What, is, what kind of a role does coaching have in, in your culture? Are you guys using a chorus, a gong? Are you guys, exact vision, are you listening to meetings, listening to calls? We use all those things. We use them all. <laughs> so we have, a, we, use a, uh, we use gong, we use chorus. Uh, we, we have an LMS in, in place and uh, we do have some consistent learning. I think one of the things that we try to focus on or our big focus for the second half of the year is going to be around continuing education. Um, we, the, the, the bodies are here now. Um, they've gone through implementation. They're ready. They're, they're onboarding. You know, they're, they're 30, 60, 90. And so now we have to figure out is how do we get our A players to maintain their A player status and eventually advance in the leadership? How do we get our B and C players to A players? And what do we do with our D players? Uh, do we have any? Can we, can we, can we address it now or, or, or do we not? Thankfully right now, I, and I just did this exercise. I, we don't have any D players right now, which is fantastic. And I've never worked in the sales fire company fast. that has that. So fire fast, right? So what we need to do now is make sure that that continuing education piece is, is that we're investing in our people and you know, the revenue will come if we invest in our people. So we're doing a big negotiation training with Karis and, and uh, giving, giving everyone what they want and, and what they need. And quite honestly, the things that, that us as leaders quite honestly don't have time to do because we're in that train while they're in that training, we still have to be on the phones helping close deals. So, um, you know, but we, you need to keep reinvesting in your people, obviously, and makes, makes your company a lot healthier, better. I liked it. So let me ask you this. What, you know, this has been great. I, I know that this whole space is going to grow, right? So there's going to be more information. There's going to be more customers, more traffic, right? I think your, your, your value proposition is going to just double. Um, right now for yourself, you know, what do you see next for G2 Crowd? Is it, is it services? That's, that's the next play? Well, services will be there. We're still going to double down on, on, on software. Yeah. I mean, we know we, 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 the, the amount of buying and dollars that gets transferred in software is incredible. But I mean, services is like, I think it's like 10x the amount of dollars in software. So uh, we need to address both and pay both the proper attention in mind when we're, when we're releasing new product or uh, revamping our website, rebranding, which we just went through. Um, and so I think in the future, there's a couple things. One, we've made a couple acquisitions of late, which we're pretty excited about. Um, uh, one being Siftery and uh, the other being uh, Advocately. And so all things that add value to, Wait, you know, the you guys bought relationship. Siftery. That's why I got that report about all the, the technology I was spending from you guys. I was confused. I thought, That's exactly I, thought I, right. yeah, I thought I I got an email about all this technology I was spending and it was from G2 now. And I was like, wait a second, this, this used to be from Sif3. Was it accurate? Uh, I don't know. I couldn't tell. I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> I'm an SDR, <laughs> my company basically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the top SDR. Uh, 
So I think we're gonna so we're gonna do that, Amir. And then I think that there's there's a lot of opportunity for growth at, at G2. And as I mean, we're truly at our heart, we're a data company, right? I mean, this at this point we weren't a couple of years ago. Now we are. Uh, and you think about where where data is going. You're talking about buyer intent, two three years going to be a need to have. It's like how do we get in front of that? How do we know that? How do we continue to be thought leaders in this space? How do we continue to add more robustness to our intent data to take that data, make it information, make it operational? How do we make it easy to operationalize? Um, and I think those are all the things that, you know, we're, we're going to be, well, I know that's all the things we're really focused on for the second half of the year. Um, and then the other side is, you know, we're, we're, we're moving offices in a month. Um, we need to maintain culture. And, and that's really what has kept me up at night for the last two weeks. And that's really what I'm focused on is we, we, I spent a lot of time with product, with sales and marketing, but like the culture, we have to maintain that culture and, and never lose that kind of startup mentality of, of um, you know, of, of being David and, and taking on you know the old analyst firms, while we continually to add functionality to our products that make us sexy and fun and unique and valuable and uh, and make G two a need to have. So that's really where we're focused. Yeah. Well, listen, I I I can see this partnership is growing because, like I said before, I I'm almost not going to do outbound unless people have um, intent data. That's going to be like a new rule. You, if you have intent it. data, you can hire us for outbound. If you don't, you know call us when you get some leads, right? Because the world is changing fast. Uh, this has been great. We're, we're, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to you, ask some questions, uh, purchase some content, how can they reach you? Is it LinkedIn, Facebook? What are, what are you on these days? Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, all those things are fine. Instagram, Clay using Instagram. Makes it easy. Instagram, Your I do. CMO is on Instagram see a bunch of a lot. He's, he's, yeah, he's number he's 41 most influential CMO on. in the world, right? Yeah. So uh, my Instagram is not as compelling as his. It's just a picture of my, my three, well, a picture of my three-year-old and eight-month-old. So if you're interested in that, sure, shoot me a follow. Um, play at G2.com, LinkedIn message, whatever's easiest. Yeah, um, right. I'm, I'm available online. Clay, thank you, thank you so much. I got my, you have uh, the wheel spinning because I am an SDR, so I'm thinking of some new campaigns um, that I can implement cool. G2 Crowd in. I don't even talk about Cloud Tasks. I'll just talk about G2 Crowd. Sure. I'll get we can Amazon. do this again and talk about different go-to-market strategies. Yeah, I'll get some fun. Amazon gift cards. I'm happy. Um, a little story for before we leave is I, I took one of your bouncing balls from a trade show, Saster, flew to California, gave it to my nephew, and then he immediately threw it to the window. Um, it was nice. It was a nice heavy. Ball. You know what I'm talking about? Those balls I glow. Um, but, you held it in your hands the whole time on the flight. <laughs> yeah, I gave it to him right away. Broke the window. It was bad. That was me. Was it the ones that light up when you bounce at the lights? Yes. Off? Yes. All right. Well, we're going to have those at all the trade shows going forward. So we'll, Love we'll, it. I'll send you some. Love it. Thanks again. And uh, look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, Bye. Amir. Yeah, man. Yeah.